Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Genesis chapter 1. And as you do, would you say this with me today? I received the Word of God, the prophet me, and reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become thoroughly and furnished, perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Here in Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them, and it isn't interesting, he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let's just look at that one more time. Over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Can you say very good? Very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So we see something here. God said, let us create man in our image. When you understand and begin to look at the Word of God, you find out that we serve the God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Someone said, well, try to explain that to me if you can. Well, let me explain water to you. Water comes in liquid, it comes in vapor, and it comes in solid called ice. Isn't that right? And many of us, when we want our liquid water a little colder, what do we do? We add a little solid called ice. But it's all water, right? But they have different functions. And that's kind of the way the Trinity works. They're all God, but they have different functions. And they work together to accomplish the will, plans, and purposes of God for our lives. So I hope, that, I hope that helps you. And so the Word of God says, God said, let us create man in our image. So we're created in the image of God. And not only are we created in the image of God, but we're created to be like God. And in, in, in our likenesses, that's what it says. We're, to create, we're, we're created to be like God. So God created us, and we have a body. Most of us know that. We have a soul, but we have a spirit. And when I first got saved, I thought soul and spirit were the same thing, but they're not. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And why do we say that is because anytime you look in the Hebrew and the Greek and you study out the word mind, will, and emotions, most of the time they're either the same word or derived from the original same root word, which is psychic, which that's where we get the term psychology from or the study of the soul. 
So your mind's your will, your emotions, your mind, your will, and your emotions. But then your spirit is that born-again man that's created in the image of God. And the best term to use is you could say your conscience. It's not quite literally correct to say your conscience. But if you're born again, you can trust your conscience because your conscience or your spirit man, your real spirit man, the real you, is now created in the image of God. That's why the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they indeed, they are the sons of God. Okay, so God says, hey, I have put the same spirit that was in my son in you, and if you're led by that spirit, you're going to manifest like my son manifested. That's why John 1.12 says, as many as received him, he gave them the power or the authority or the right, the privilege, to be called the sons of God. Jesus went on to say, these works that I do, so shall you do in greater, because I go unto my Father. So that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's the Spirit of God on the inside of you. He created your spirit back into the likeness of who he is. And so if we're led by our spirit, we're always going to do the will, plans, and purposes of God. But sometimes we're not always led by the spirit. Hello, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine. Sometimes we let certain things get in the way of our life called this flesh or reasoning. Sometimes we reason away certain things. And so we see this reasoning getting in the way for Adam and Eve. Go with me to uh, Genesis chapter 2. And when God said it was very good, he meant this is the best. There's nothing better than this. This is why I said, I wanted you to say very good. There's nothing better than this. This is excellent. It doesn't get any better. There's nothing that can be any better than what God created. So here in Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 4, it says, This is the history of heaven and, uh, and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the uh, field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God created this garden, and my wife did a study on it, and I believe she's pretty accurate when she said that she found out that the Garden of Eden was about as big as the state of California. Now, if you're one man trying to, you know, replenish the earth, obviously you can't do that by yourself, you know, and you got all these animals, you know, the state of California, that's a lot of territory to cover, isn't it? And God put it in that particular territory, the tree of life, and also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, of all the trees of the earth, they're going to be good for food. And so the water came up from the ground, causing the mist. And if you read the Bible, what you'll find out is that when God created the earth, first of all, it was a ball of water. And he said he separated the waters from the waters. A lot of times we think that's when he created landmass. No, he created a sphere of water around the earth, and then he created a landmass. And around the earth in our atmosphere at one time was probably either an ice or probably a thick layer of clouds. And so our atmosphere was a lot different. 
Our atmosphere wasn't like today. It was like living in a terrarium. The atmospheric pressure, if you're a scientist, you know that our atmospheric pressure, we have one atmospheric pressure right here on the earth, and the atmospheric pressure changes as you go up, and it gets a little more intense as you go down. And so the atmospheric pressure is one here, but they, a lot of people think that there was a greater or a, 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 a higher atmospheric pressure that caused the animals and the plants to reproduce in a different way maybe cause their DNA to line up differently when they reproduce. In fact, archaeologists have found dragonflies that had a wingspan of three feet. They found ferns that were as big as trees. What caused all that? Well, they were in a total different environment. In fact, some people believe that the sky wasn't soothing. That's why I'm wearing a pink shirt today, hoping that you're soothed with my message today. Anyway, nevertheless, that was supposed to be a joke, but I guess it wasn't too good. And Peggy, I'm shocked. You didn't say it was bad. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, they, they put hardened criminals in the pink rooms to help them get settled down emotionally. And so you're in an environment that's just perfect. Here they are in this perfect environment. The temperature was always right, and all the men said, praise God, amen, because the woman didn't want him to adjust the thermostat. Isn't that wonderful? So it was a perfect environment that they lived in. And uh, scientists have also done some experiment with uh, two atmospheric pressure, and they have uh, uh, put uh, seedlings in the ground in this particular situation and got a tomato tree that grew, that, that grew, I mean, a tomato plant that grew up to be a tree. The last time I checked, it was still alive. But anyway, it's been growing for 20 years, 30 years, and it produces tomatoes, but yet the tomatoes don't ever rot. So can you imagine that type of environment? You know, again, atmospheric pressure a little thicker. That's why some reptiles could, could fly. That's why some reptiles could grow larger than, you know, what the reptiles we have today. And a lot of scientists do believe that some of the dinosaurs that used to exist actually were, are some of the reptiles that we have today. So it's kind of interesting when you begin to study creationism based on evolution because creationism makes a whole lot more sense than evolution does because I did not come from a monkey. So anyway, we move on. We see this in the Word of God, and this is something that the Bible says here. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, when we understand the word being, I-N-G means a continuation of whatever I-N-G is attached to. Okay, in other words, a continuation of life is living. You know, so the continuation of our being is a continuation of be. So when God created the earth, he said, light be, and light was. And it kept on being. Light's never been any different than from the time God created it. Isn't that wonderful? You know, when he said moon be, moon was. And so the moon kept on being. Well, when he created man to be, he said man be out of the form, uh, out of the dust of the earth, man became a living being, or in other words, God designed mankind to continue to be what he designed him to be from the very beginning. So he made him a living being. So a living being means that he can reproduce himself over and over and over again. That's the way God designed us to be. And every time you look at the word man in Genesis and the word Adam, they are the exact same Hebrew word. So God, when God referred to Adam, he wasn't referring to a man who had a name Adam. He was referring to the mankind that he created. So he created mankind to have dominion. 
I'll never forget one time I was ministering uh, and went to the hospital and ministered for a friend of mine who had a, a member who was in a car accident. He said, would you go there at the Columbia Hospital? So I went, and so I prayed, and, and God really touched this particular person. But uh, one of the family members came to me and said, can I talk to you? I said, sure. So we went downstairs and got a cup of coffee, and she began to tell me that she was uh, atheist. I said, okay, so you're atheist. What do you want me to do about it? You know, I, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking this. And she said, you know, if there's really a God, how come things are so messed up in this world? I said, because God put man in charge and man's messed it up. End of conversation. End of conversation. You know, and so we're going to see the origin of man messing things up right here. And as we go to Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 15, then the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to uh, tend it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So let's pick up here in Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now, when we think of the word serpent, we mostly think about a snake, don't we? Didn't we read earlier that God had given them dominion over everything that creeps? And didn't he say man and woman he gave that dominion to? Okay, and so when he said man have dominion or man and woman, the woman has the same dominion as a man had. And so, you know, she, she had dominion over this thing. You know, women, you have dominion over every creep that comes your way. <laughs> and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, God didn't tell them not to touch it. But you know what? That's a good rule to live by. If, you're not, if you don't want to eat of it, then don't touch it. Don't get around it. You know, I want you to think about the state of California. This tree's in the middle of the state of California. I don't know about you, but I would have been on the further side of where that tree was. And I would have taken my wife with me. We aren't even going to think about that tree. Hmm? We're not going to be around that tree. But as the Word of God says, the woman looked at it, and the, woman, and, and the serpent said, you know, to the woman, you shall not surely die. What was he leaning on? Her senses, her logistics, her logic, her reasoning. You shall not surely die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that ye eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, she made a fruit salad, that it was pleasant to her eyes, and, and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate it, and also gave her fruit salad to her husband. I'm not sure how she convinced her husband to eat it, but when my wife makes a good fruit salad, it doesn't matter where it came from, I'm going to eat it. You know, so let's not just bang the woman, you know, discredit the woman too much here, you know, or the man. They just both ate the fruit. We don't know why, they just did, okay? 
And then when they did, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed sig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called Adam and said, where are you? He wasn't calling Adam as a man. He was calling mankind. Where are you? You know, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying that to us today. Where are you? Where are you, mankind? Where are you? So he said, I heard the voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Who have you been listening to? Man, who have you been listening to? Who are you listening to? Who are we listening to? Who are we basing our society, our life, our joy, our peace on? What are we basing it all on? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? What have you done? What have you done? You know, something my mother told me because she grew up during depression, she said, you know, we were all poor, but no one knew we were poor because everybody was poor. Kind of an interesting statement. In other words, no one told them they were poor. How do you know if you're poor unless someone tells you you're poor? Where do true riches come from? True riches come from not what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. How you see yourself is real true riches. You know, and the greatest way you can become rich is begin to see yourself rich in the Lord or see yourself the way God sees you. Amen. And so we see that he said, what have you done? And the, and, and the man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the, uh, of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you've done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this thing, you are cursed more than the cattle, more than every beast on the eat of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Right there in Genesis chapter 3, God is prophesying, I'm going to put my seed in a woman. Thank God for women who are willing to bear children. Amen. Again, happy Mother's Day. And to the woman, he saw greatly uh, 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 multiply your sorrow of your conception and pain you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be for your husband and you shall rule. Now let's go on down here to verse 22. Look what God said. Then the Lord God said, because or behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man, and he placed a cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to, the, to guard the way of the tree of life. So this is the mercy of God, not the punishment of God. Why is that? Because man was now in a state of sin. He had sinned. Sin is disobeying God. He disobeyed God. So he's in a state of sin, and God said, unless you eat of the tree of life and live in that state of sin forever, there's nothing I can do about it. You now are going to have to die, but there's going to have to be a death for redemption, prophesying of Jesus. Isn't that correct? 
So there's going to have to be a death for the sin, and so we know that Jesus died for our sins. So he said, Lest they be, now that you've done this, you are like one of us. You know good and evil. Now, wait a minute. I had trouble with that when I read that. I thought, first of all, God, you said you created in their image. What does this really mean? What it really means here is God saying, listen, I have a standard of what good and evil is. But now that you've done this thing, what you've decided is you've decided you're going to determine what's good and evil. Adam, where are you? Adam, or mankind, has now determined that God's standards is old, obsolete, and doesn't apply to today. So we'll live by our own standards. So mankind at that particular time began to deteriorate morally. It only took seven generations for God to say, it's so bad I'm going to have to start all over. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Because that's the seventh generation was Noah and the flood. God started all over. Because man did everything what was right in his own eyes. How's that working for you today? How's that working for our society today? There's a scripture that says in Judges that every man did what was right in his own eyes. How'd that work out? Didn't work out very well for him at all. And so when we don't live according to God's standards, then we don't benefit from God's standards. And when you don't live according to God's standards, you're cheating yourself. What have you decided? Well, you know, I think, I know God loves me. That's good. I've accepted Jesus. That's wonderful. I'm, I, I'm glad. But there's some things that I think, you know what, you know, God needs to change his mind about. Really? Now, listen, my wife talked, you know, today about, you know, uh, abortion. And let me just say, if you're here, we don't want to know who you are specifically, but if you've ever had abortion, I just want to let you know God's forgiven you. If you've asked him to, he will forgive you. That is a forgivable sin, you know, and God bless you if you've ever been through that tragedy. But nevertheless, we live by this standard and the world saying, women, you ought to be able to do, it's your body, you ought to be able to do what you want to do with it. Well, then how come the government didn't have that same attitude when it came to the vaccine? It's my body, it's my choice. Isn't there some type of hypocrisy? And why is there hypocrisy? Man's standards, not God's standards. And I'm not against anybody who's taking the vaccine, okay? I'm not here to, to, to have a political debate with anybody. But you know, if we were all living by God's standards, we'd say no plague would come nigh unto me. Though a thousand fall to my side and 10,000 my right hand, none of these things are going to come upon me. By his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Amen. We're all going to live by God's standards. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, you know, bring anything, put anybody under condemnation if you're struggling with being healed. I'm just trying to say, are we going to live by God's standards? Where are you? Whose standards are you living by? So I want a few people's opinions. And again, I'm going to do this again. You know how many, how many of you know that the gospel was shared four times? How many of you know why? Because God knew we wouldn't get it three times. So I'm going to do a little different for those who weren't here last week or last Thursday. I'm going to do a little different. Let me have some opinion. We're going to have some audience participation. Let me have some opinions out here. How many of you want to guess how far it is from this wall to that wall? Anybody have any idea? Matt, I need you to go stand by that wall over there if you would. Grab this tape. All right, let me hear some thoughts. 
70 feet. Anybody else? 60 feet. Anybody else? Oh, oh I thought this was a 100-foot measurement. Okay. Right here is, okay, you got it against the wall there? Okay, right here is 50 foot, okay. All right, who's good at math? Somebody remember 50 foot, all right? All right, put it right. Next one, right there. Yeah, it was right on that, that, that carpet tile. 60, 50 foot. And then from that carpet tile to right here is going to be, I'm sorry, I thought I brought 100 foot tape. All right, another 13 feet, 6 inches. So what's that make? 63, six, 63 feet, 6 inches. Isn't that right? Okay. Now how many of you believe that it really is 63 feet, 6 inches? I mean, I use this tape measure, and I know it's accurate because it's made in the USA. So I know this is an accurate tape, okay? But let's just say, you know, I decide to use my own standard, which is going to be this rope. And actually, this rope is actually, according to that tape measure, 15 foot. But I've decided that I'm going to live by my own standard, and it's 20 feet. Hmm? Do you want me to build a house with my standard or the standard of this tape measure? Why? Well, because you'd be cheated out some square footage, right? If I built you a house, you know, you asked me to build you a house 40 by 60, and I use this rope, you know, I say this is 20, it ended up being what? 30 by 45, something like that, right? I'd be cheating you out of, you know, 150 square feet. Well, what's the big deal? Well, the average house cost is about $171 to build per square foot now. So how much am I cheating you out of? $30,000, $40,000? That shouldn't bother you. You know, what's wrong with my standard? You don't like my standard? Why? Because it's cheating you. But if you live by this standard, you're not cheated. Well, if you live by this standard, you're not going to be cheated either. So that's what God was saying. Adam, where are you? What standards are you living by? And when Adam did sin, he said they become like one of us. They have now, mankind has now decided what is good and evil. Now, in the book of Isaiah, the word of God tells us that when the enemy comes in, Isaiah 59, 19, so shall they fear, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, for some reason, the translators put the comma in after the word flood, but it's not really there in the original. So let's just say it like I believe God wants to say it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. Amen? I mean, God just, just wipe him out. How does God wipe the enemy out? By his standards. By his standards. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil and he shall flee. 
See, real spiritual warfare is not about calling down strongholds, even though we have to do that. It's not about casting out devils, even though we need to do that from time to time. But real spiritual authority comes from submitting to God, doing it God's way. And when you choose to do it God's way or live according to God's standards, then you're going to have God's benefits in your life. Now, what would happen if the whole world decided we're going to live by God's standards? I've got news for you. i got some news for you. Jesus is coming back, and he will set this world back in order. Can you imagine what life's going to be like when he set things back in order and we walk in our original authority and what we were created to walk in on this earth? We'll all be vegans. Don't feel bad, you know, because that that apple will taste just like a T-bone steak to you. It'll be really good, trust me. God created it that way. Did you know that a lot of archaeologists believe that most of the dinosaurs were, were vegetarians and not carnivorous? Isn't that something? God created us to be vegans. I'm not promoting being vegan. Today's my birthday. And ever since I was a little boy, I always had barbecue pork steaks for my birthday. And there are, bar- there are pork steaks in my refrigerator ready to be barbecued today. Amen. I'm not promoting that, but what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if we begin to do things according to God's standards, how would that change our lives? Where does it start? It starts in your garden. Yes. Yes. It starts in your home. Can I go a little further this morning? I want you to go with me to Leviticus chapter 14. And uh, I, I think I'm going to shave off some of the reading of this. I, I'm going to really kind of have to, to get through this, okay? But I'll explain it to you. Leviticus 14, 33 through 53, that's your, your, your homework assignment. Go home and read that. But basically, what God is doing is he's telling Moses the law of leprosy. And he said, when you go into the land and you start taking your houses that I have given you, and you go into the house and the house has leprosy. You mean the house has leprosy? Well, don't some houses have mold? Don't some houses have mildew? Okay. And so if your house has been plagued, go get the priest. And so the priest comes in and he looks around and he says, okay, there's a plague here. Everybody out. We're going to close it up for seven days and come back in. He comes back in. Boy, this thing's getting worse. And so he says, well, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and just tear out the stones. And we're going to take the stones to an unclean place. And then they rebuild it with new stones. And if there's still more plague in the house, boy, this thing's unclean. We're going to tear it all the way down to the foundation. We're going to dig the foundation out. We're taking everything out of this thing. And we're taking it all out too, out of the city to the place that, that we take unclean things. Well, what they found out was that when the Canaanites 
began to realize that God was going to give the Israelites their land. They took their gold and their silver and they melted it down and made demon gods out of it. And they buried it sometimes in the foundation of the house. And when they tore these houses down, they would find these demon idols underneath the house. And what God was saying, he said, there's not a plague in your house. There's a devil in your house. There's something wrong with your atmosphere. Hello, somebody. There's something wrong with your atmosphere. And see, when you start to choose to live by God's standards, you're going to ask yourself, what atmosphere are you allowing in your garden? What atmosphere are you going to allow into your particular life? You say, well, Pastor, what does atmosphere have to do with anything? Well, in 2010, there was an eruption in Iceland. It was the Ifalokukul volcano. I listened on the internet how to say that right. I pronounced it right. You try pronouncing that name. But anyway, the volcano was so powerful and threw so much ash in the atmosphere that it grounded over 100,000 flights. 100,000 flights. So did the atmosphere affect someone's life? Think of all those passengers that were stranded. Think of all those passengers that had to wait not a week, not two weeks, but some of them three or four weeks before they could get back home to cross either from North America to Europe or from Europe back to North America. That atmosphere really messed up some people's lives. Well, we had these fires last summer. How many of you remember the fires in the West Coast? And in the evening time here in Missouri, you could look over the west when the sun was setting, and you could tell that the sky looked different. Did that change our atmosphere, our environments? How many of you are pruning your orange trees, your grapefruit trees, your lemon trees in your backyard about this time? How come? Because our environment is not conducive for grapefruit trees, orange trees, and lemon trees, or citrus trees, if I can say it that way. Well, we all know that. Well, what about the environment that's in your home? Amen. When you're living by God's standards, you're not going to let certain things in. Right. Hello, somebody. Amen. See, the truth is that whatever you tolerate, you'll compromise, and whatever you compromise, you'll lose. Yep. Oh, it's not hurting anything. Come on. You know, it's just a... <sighs> It's just a little sex scene on the TV. Not my house. You know, if there's a sex scene on the TV, whoever has the control, we look at the other one and say, turn it off. I don't want my mind filled with that junk. Well, it's only just a little criticism on Facebook. Sure got quiet in this Pentecostal church. It was only one negative comment. You know, it got to the point in my particular life that I began to realize that Facebook was occupying way too much of my time, which wasn't a whole lot of time in the first place. And God spoke to my heart and said, you know, get off Facebook. Now, I only use Facebook, predominantly I only use Facebook 
to propagate the gospel. But I had to turn it over to one of my employees so I didn't see all the negative things that somebody else said about somebody else's comment. You know what Facebook's about? He said that she said that he said, and I'm a victim of what they said. A lot of that is, you know. Or did you hear about this conspiracy? Did you know that the CIA has covered up some things? The FBI has covered up some things. The police have covered up some things. My wife has covered up some things. My kids have covered up some things. Oh my God, who can I trust? You know, all these conspiracies out there that are going on. And they're designed to put fear in you. Who can you trust? You know what the pastor's covered up in this church? You know, where do we go from there? You know? And, and, you know, like I've told some friends of mine, I said, first of all, I don't have the time to go get educated enough to kind of get a chemical engineering degree, a, a degree in physics, a doctorate degree in medicine, you know, to determine whether all these things are right or wrong or whatever. There comes a place where I'm going to have to live by God's standards and trust him. Right. Hello, somebody. And when I made that decision not to look at Facebook anymore, not to be on Facebook anymore, you know, and have one of my staff help me with getting the gospel out, which I think that's the whole platform for it for me anyway. And I'm not saying you're wrong by being on Facebook, but all I'm saying is that it changed my life. And you know the other thing I quit doing? Watching the news. I mean, all news. I don't watch it. I've been more in the word and praying, seeking God, you know, trying to live God's standards best I can. And I want to tell you what, when people ask me how I'm doing, I'm living the dream. I'm experiencing an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God, of what the world says is right in my atmosphere. I don't need that plague. I don't need that. Are you learning something today? Are you challenged today? To go after God more than ever before. Jesus said these are the two commandments that we should follow. And that is love God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, if you do those two things, I mean, you fulfill all the law and the prophets. And it's my understanding that the Jews have over 400 laws to live by. I only have two. Love God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love my neighbor is myself. How powerful is that? How easy is that? How wonderful is that? But you know, as I begin to study this out, I was asked this years ago, and I didn't know years ago, but I think I know today. Because somebody asked me, if the soul is the mind, will, and emotions, how come Jesus said, love God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength? How come if the soul is the mind, how come he said, if you can put mind in the place of soul, it sounds like he's saying, love God with all thy heart, mind, mind, and strength. Why would he do that? Well, then I begin to realize as I saw it out, God's referring to your mindset. Amen. How you process things. How do you let things process in your own mind? Do you filter them through the standards of the world or God's standards? The other day I was at the student union uh, just kind of talking to students about Christians United for Israel on campus, trying to activate that. And uh, one of the young men came up who thought he was a lot smarter than I was. 
And, uh, and probably he was, no doubt about that. And so he began to ask me just one or two questions, which I knew that he wasn't on the same page that I was. And I said, well, my standard that I live by is according to the word of God. I said, what is your standard? He couldn't debate me. He couldn't ask me any hard questions anymore. And then when he began to tell me his mindset, I said, how did you come about to get that mindset? 20 years old, maybe 22, I'm not sure. But that age range, I could tell. He said, it took me years to get this mindset. <laughs> From 16 to 22, those six years got you the... But really, the bottom line is mindset came from what the world said. Yep. Not what does God say. What does God say about this situation? What does God say? Go with me to Isaiah 61. Are we doing okay this morning? Yes. Isaiah 61. Where are you? Who are you listening to? And what are you doing about it? Adam, where are you? Isaiah 61, the second Adam, who was Jesus, the Bible says he was the second Adam, and he said this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news or good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord." And this is what's going to happen to those who take that standard, who allow God to do this in their life. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. Are there some things that are ruined in our nation, in our society? They shall raise up the former desolation. Are there some desolations in our society? Absolutely they are. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. You say, well, I don't have time to do that. You know, one of the things that I said, you know, and, and, and I shared this, and God corrected me on this here just recently, you know, but a lot of times I would say, well, if I don't do it, it won't get done. But you know what? The Lord spoke to me. He said, look right there. Look what I said I would do. Strangers will stand and feed your flocks. The son of the foreigner shall be your plowman and your vine dressers, and you shall be named the priest of the Lord. God said, if you'll take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's God's standards. You take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Well, isn't that one of the things that society's trying to do today is shame the earth? How dare you say that you love me and you won't allow me to celebrate my transgender identity? You're a hypocrite. No, I just live according to God's standards. See how they try to shame you? Where's the love in the church? I'm not accepted. No, you're accepted. Just your ideology isn't. Amen. Your philosophy isn't. Amen. Your man-made agenda is not accepted. It shouldn't be in the church. It should be, what does God's standard say about it? 
And so he goes, instead of your shame, and you know the world's tried to shame us. You shouldn't have anything to do with politics. I shouldn't? Well, doesn't the Constitution say we the people? Well, the government, I'm the government, and so are you. And if we all lived according to the standard of God, would there be a problem in the government? All right, pastor, that's enough. That's enough. You've stepped over. No, I haven't stepped over. I'm stepping into God's standards here. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the devil. How many of you want to possess the devil? I do. I want to possess that devil. I want to experience all that God has for it. And everlasting joy shall be theirs. For, the, for I, the Lord, love justice. Did you know in Romans 3, 23, it says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? But Romans 3, 24 says, but I have freely justified you. How many of you like that standard? Amen. I do. God justified me from my sins. And you know how he did it? I didn't have to pay for him. But man says, well, real justice is when someone pays for what they did that's wrong. Well, do we want man's system or do we want God's system? Social justice will never work as long as man is setting the boundaries for it. Let me say that one more time. Social justice will never work as long as man is setting the boundaries for it. But God's justice will always work if we do it according to his standards. I'll never forget reading an article about a civil war that went on between two tribes in, in Africa. And uh, after the war was over, there was a church service going on. And there was... This gentleman, and I don't know the whole relationship, but he was worshiping the Lord next to another lady that was there. And uh, when the guest minister came in, the pastor said, see those two people standing there side by side worshiping? He goes, yeah. He said, well, when civil war went on, he shot her husband and killed her in front of her. But yet they're in church with their hands lifted up worshiping God, and he said, and now they're good friends today. How'd that happen? Because of social justice? Because of God's justice. Somebody found the grace of God to forgive the very man who murdered her husband. Well, that's God's justice. Are we there yet? I'm working on it. How about you? I want God's justice because I can be consumed with social justice. Well, they ought to pay for this. They ought to get their due reward. What am I doing? I'm caught up with trying to see that man's ideology ought to be fulfilled and not God's. And God says, my justice is they don't have to pay for their sins. Think about it. Yes, there's consequences for what we do. If you're going to have sex, you might get pregnant. Hello, somebody. There's consequences for what we do. Let's just be real, you know. But God says, nevertheless, it doesn't matter where you've gone. If I justify you, it's as if you've never sinned in your life. Who wants God's standards? 
I want God's standards. See, we all want God's standards for us, but do we want God's standards for everybody else? Where are you? Who are you listening to? And what have you done? And the Lord said this in verse 8, And the Lord, uh, for I, the Lord, loves justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I direct their works in truth. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. I don't know about you, but boy, this message has really encouraged me to cry out to God greater than I ever have. Not my will, God, but yours. So what happened in the garden? Man said, my will, not God's will. But what did Jesus say in the garden? Not my will, but God's will. What happened in the garden? Man says, I'm ashamed because I was naked. Well, Jesus was falsely betrayed and put on the cross naked so that we could be free from shame. What happened in the garden? The serpent came in. What happened in the garden even? Jesus used his heel to bruise the head of the serpent. See, God has already turned this thing around so that we can live by his standards. All we have to do is say, God first. I'm going to do it God's way. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.